We have so much to be grateful for. So much to be grateful that we get to wake up every day and get the opportunity to live today, right? That not everybody gets to do that. People are sick and they have all kinds of challenges. And any day that you can get up and show up and make a difference is like a beautiful day. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for joining Jeremy and I for another episode of Navigate's People First podcast. We're excited for you to be here, and I also want to thank you all for just your wonderful support, um, suggestions of all of our podcasts. It's been great. Um, so, Jay, let's kick it off. May is Mental Health Month at Navigate. We're talking about this month. We're really talking about mindfulness. We're talking about gratitude. We're talking about self-care. When you go there and you think about mental health, you think about that self-care, that awareness, where does your head go and, and where do you feel um, why that matters? Yeah, a couple of places. Uh, first, my head goes to listening. As a, as a leader, I think it's our responsibility to listen to the people that work for us, uh, people that work with us, the people that work that we work for, and sort of try our best to understand where they're coming from. Try our best to relate to everybody in the workplace as a person first and not just someone who needs to, we need them to get something done for the organization. And I think that's a, that's you know, sort of a core value that Navigate is, has represented for quite some time. You look at our pillars of well-being, we focus on mental health, mindfulness, balance, purpose. All of those are tied really closely together and tied really closely to the workforce itself. So it's not necessarily strictly a workforce thing. It's a, it's a people thing. So when I hear about mental health month, to me, that means just be extra, extra caring, extra understanding, listen to the people around you just a little bit more and make sure that everybody's doing okay. I'm grateful for the employer market for leaning in to the health and well-being side of mental health. Because obviously there's been a wave of mental health um, products, but more of negating the stigma of mental health and being able to say, if we really care about our employees, if we really care about their well-being, and they are our greatest asset, then let's provide the care that they need. We thought about Mental Health Month. Uh, the first person we thought about having um, is our partner in Psych Hub, Marjorie Morrison. Marjorie is the CEO and co-founder of Psych Hub. Thank you for joining us. Psych Hub is the world's largest mental health education platform. Marjorie, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I got to say right out of the gates here, Jeremy, you already like already took like my punchline. Like I always say, listening is the number one thing that we can do to help those around us. And you right out of the gates, like stole my first line. So, no, but I, I greatly appreciate what you had said. I just didn't want to minimize it. Cause I think what you said was really profound is that so much of this is about listening and really being there for people. So just wanted to say that, and I'm excited to be here. I'm talking to you from Nashville, Tennessee which is kind of a healthcare hub, even though people think it's just all about country music. But I'm excited to be here and talk about my favorite topic. Talk to me about the evolution of where Psych Hub um, started in 2019 and where it's at today and where you've kind of evolved that. So maybe talk about that a little bit for us and in, in your evolution. 
Absolutely. Well, I started my career out right out of college, went to grad school and became a licensed marriage family therapist in California. So I did about a decade of my beginning of my career. I worked at Children's Hospital in outpatient psychiatry, and then I had private practice. Then from there, I spent a decade, I'm really aging myself here, but I spent a decade working with the Marine Corps and um, was working with a really high at risk population, if you will. Um, I was working with drill instructors and uh, they'd had to have multiple deployments to actually get the the duty or the billet of being a drill instructor. And so we had this high need, but they weren't coming in to get help because the stigma was really, really high. And so I got the opportunity to develop and implement a proactive mandatory counseling program and kind of scaled it through with the Marines, um, different levels. And now it's actually used Marine Corps wide. So I did that. Then I started a nonprofit called Psych Armor, which still exists, which is an online education platform in the military veteran space, really more designed to help people, civilians that are supporting the veterans, not necessarily for them themselves, which is a little bit of a convoluted way to look at things. But I know it's a very small percentage of our country that serves, you know, so it's like most of us don't know and don't understand. So anyways, to answer your question the long way is that through that experience of working with Psych Armor, we got the opportunity to train community mental health providers on how to treat PTSD, um, so people that weren't trained in it. And we used online education, really having no idea if it was going to be effective or not. And then watching the difference and how effective treatment could be for veterans that were treated by, that were being treated by providers that were using this evidence-based, these evidence-based practices, all of a sudden I was like, wow, this is so interesting because we don't really think about it, but when it comes to mental health, we don't treat, like, let's say an eating disorder, the same as we would depression or grief or addiction. We have these interventions, they're called evidence-based because they're evidence <laughs> more effective, but we're not taught them in school. So it's a, it's a really interesting like conundrum that most people just don't understand because they wouldn't. But like, I like to say, you wouldn't see a cardiologist for a broken foot, but we kind of do that. So the impetus of Psych Hub, I co-founded it with Patrick Kennedy, former congressman, was how do we create a platform where we could train these providers to learn these different skills and really specialize their practice? And so I'm happy to go on and on and on, but that's sort of where it came from. No, it's great. And, and I wanted to say this because uh, Jeremy and I were at a conference in Las Vegas and we heard you and Patrick speak. And it was kind of fun because... Patrick kind of threw out to all of us in the crowd and there's, you know, a couple thousand people there and just said, Hey, we're doing this. The world needs this. Who's going to step up and really connect the dots when it comes to what you're doing in health to what we're doing within mental health and kind of help motivate and inspire people to say, Hey, we can do this. We can take this to the next level, but we need your help. So who's in it with us. And within about like six months, we joined forces with you guys and it's been a wonderful relationship since. But when you think about the the thesis behind Psych Hub, take that to the next level a little bit too. Because um, you've definitely evolved to having more than just content. You're, you're bringing in employer solutions. You're bringing in different other solutions when it comes to uh, teaching counselors, et cetera. Maybe touch on that a little bit as you guys progressed uh, Psych Hub. 
But I think what happened was when we set out, as you're right, the thesis was like, how do we train these providers? We actually call them practitioners because that's another thing. The nomenclature is all over the place, right? We ser- therapists, providers, clinicians. It doesn't matter who you talk to. Everyone has a different name. So we're sort of kind of narrowing in on calling them mental health practitioners. But we have now really seen that when these practitioners are using this more specialized, these, these interventions. So think about it like it's a very focused treatment. Everybody wins, actually. The client, the patient who gets better care, they get better care in fewer sessions, better symptom reduction. That practitioner has a lot less burnout because they're really seeing the same kind of thing. You can imagine if you're just a generalist, every hour someone new comes in, you have to figure out how to treat them. And then there's a total cost of care savings, right? Because the better you get in mental health treatment, the less you kind of show up in the total health care kind of ecosystem. So if you start with that, We knew that was a win and we knew that everybody benefits, but how do you move the needle to actually get practitioners who, by the way, have busy, you know, their caseloads are full. Most of them are not so hungry for new referrals. There's plenty of need out there and it's one more thing for them to do. So like, how do you actually do it was one of the challenges that we had. And so what we decided to do was at the same time as building out a library to train them, we also built out a library to train the entire ecosystem, which is everybody else, right? Because you know that expression like informed consumers? We decided if we made informed consumers, then they're gonna get smarter about the choices. And of course we didn't know that COVID was gonna happen. So that was about a year in. So people did get smarter and savvier. But so one of the things that we did is we partnered with YouTube and um, we are one of YouTube's partners for mental health and our YouTube channel now to date, our monthly views average about a million views a month. So we've had just millions and millions of views there. So that's really helped us get consumers to start thinking about everything we do is kind of threaded with some kind of evidence-based practice, whether it's like you're looking at what is anxiety, what is a panic attack there. But then we also created a learning solution for employers to your question, because what we really found is a couple different things. One is mental health is so confusing. I mean, I've been in it my whole career. My father was a psychiatrist. So I like to say I've been in it my whole life and I'm still confused, right? So if you think about it, we've got all these different kinds of provider types. You have a psychiatrist, a psychologist, social worker, a counselor, a coach, a peer. Then you have different diagnoses. Like what's the difference of borderline and and bipolar or schizophrenia and psychosis? And then you have these different interventions I mentioned CBT and DBT and ACT. And then you throw in all these apps and all these things. I mean, it's a lot to figure out. So with one piece of it, it's confusing. And then the other part of it is that not everybody's going to see a mental health practitioner. They're just not. Not everybody's going to go in for mental health care. So we all really need to be trained on what to do in critical moments when it matters the most. And so we put that together for employers with a series of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these short videos to kind of give someone like their own curated learning journey. So if they're interested in what is an eating disorder, we now know because we have had so many views, they're going to want to see most likely what is anorexia, treatment types for anorexia, how to support someone for anorexia. So instead of someone having to go take a bunch of information, we can give them two, three minute chunks and they could create their own journey. So we do that for employers. And then we also have courses and we train them on things like what to say and do if someone might be suicidal, understanding substance use, what to do in a crisis, 
unconscious bias, things like that. And then we connect them to in-network care, which we can talk about. So does that answer the question about sort of like how it kind of mushroomed into this whole thing? It absolutely did. And I think you bring up a wonderful point is we don't have enough psychologists. We don't have enough psychiatrists. We don't have enough counselors. And when I think about the opportunity for peer-to-peer counseling or folks helping one another being trained, that helps scale the opportunity perhaps. And how are you guys thinking about the role of managers or HR when it comes to in an employer for their employees? Any thoughts like how you guys are directing conversations? I kind of know the answer, but I kind of like to hear your voice about how you're thinking about that and connecting the dots because it's there was a rush of products, right? There's just so many products that are out there and apps. And I think that folks have taken a step back a little bit and said, hey, let's think about this and say, how can we, how, how as an employer can I best serve this opportunity to connect our employees in, in, a, in a very mindful way to their mental health? We approach it in a couple of different ways. For one is that we did separate out our courses for managers and HR differently than we did for other employees. And we did it for that reason is that if you're looking for yourself to get educated on how to support either you or someone around you, right? We know people are looking for ways to help their kids or their parents or their siblings or their friends. That's different than when you're a manager. So we took these same courses in the Mental Health Ally Certificate Program. There's 10 of them. And we partnered with SHRM, which is the... um, Society for Human Resource Management. Um, and we created, we co-developed with them these same courses for the workplace and for managers. So we have a SHRM version of Mental Health Ally for that population. And then we have a regular version. I shouldn't say regular, that's it, but we have a more of a layperson, if you will, because yeah, for this exact reason, it is a very different lens when you're in that role of how do you support someone than just someone else. And then we've actually also created some other verticals. We have a mental health ally for educators. And we just created one for hospitality with the National Restaurant Association because hospitality is another huge mental health need. So we just approached it with a different solution for them. There's so much we know and there's so much we don't know. And Jay, when you think about using technology for good and that data that we're able to to glean from what we do every single day with employers, where do you see you know, technology helping out with this opportunity to just to do more for people? I think one of the, the best things that side capacity offers is the, the ability to help distribute clinically valid content, data, awareness of mental health. And, uh, you know, we see a, a, an entire two generations of people who are so much more accepting of mental health, so much more willing to talk about it, so much willing to discuss it. And at the same time, they're they're bombarded with questionable or dubious sources of content regarding or well, anything, but including mental health. So I think having the ability to put out good, solid educational material, actionable things, and, and just driving awareness of the topic and of particular you know challenges that people are facing, the awareness aspect of it, I don't think can be underestimated. Marjorie, one of my favorite podcasts is one you guys were talking about. It's okay to have it's okay to talk about it now. So let's bring that together and see how we can bring, you know, the right, the right services to the right people. I want to dig in a little bit more into the military service members and the families that you helped uh, during Psych Armor a little bit. It's a passion of mine. And so when you think about um, what you did with Psych Armor 
and how you got to Psych Hub. Just go in there a little bit more about our service members and, and how you're able to kind of connect the dots uh, to the needs that they needed. It seemed so obvious to me that we were doing something very wrong where you have high risk, right? People, you have high exposure to traumatic events, very real. And yet the culture of stigma, I mean, we are so different now with stigma than we were over a decade ago. I mean, night and day stigma was so real. And we had this entire counseling center full of of these practitioners and nobody was coming in. Oh, and by the way, we were housed in a place called family advocacy, which is basically where you would go if you had almost an allegation of domestic violence. And so it was also a place no one wanted to be seen and no one was coming in. But that structure, that that infrastructure wasn't there to help support yet. Right. Right. And I was just I, I was kind of just an idiot. It was like the perfect storm of me just knowing nothing. And I, I barely even knew what a general was. Right. Or a colonel was. I didn't really know. And I was just one time sort of explaining. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense if people aren't going to come in and get help. You have these these people here to help. You're paying us to help. Why not bring it to them? And um I was shocked when they said, okay, let's give it a try. And, you know, I, I kind of tell a funny story, but it wasn't really so funny at the time. But I remember when the, the colonel called me and he said, okay, I got this approved. The hats will be ready for you at 1400. And I was like, what's a hat? What's 1400? Like, I didn't know anything. And that was like the drill instructors were these big hats, you know? So I'm like, oh my God, I got to scramble. I got to figure out, I'm like on Google trying to learn everything I can. And so I go to my first time I did group, a group counseling session, if you will. Can you, I just have to do the visual here. You know, drill instructors, big hats, very intimidating, big guys. I walk in a room, they all stand up when I walk in. I'm like, uh, who are they standing for? So I'm now a little nervous, but I'm, I'm still kind of an idiot. Like I still am like, you know, a little bit, filled with confidence. So I'm like, okay, let's create a circle. They had like, it was like classroom style. So everybody moves their chairs. It was way too fast because like within a second, I couldn't think of my next plan because here all orderly. So I'm like, okay, let's go around the circle and everybody say your name and where you're from. Now, if I asked you that, that's a normal question, right? We already talked about that before we got started. It's like, oh, you know, I, I'm living here in Nashville, you know, just very common sense. And the first guy stands up and he's like, I'm staff sergeant, so-and-so, I can't remember. And I'm confused with your question. Where are we, where are we from? What company are we with? What is our MOS? Where were we deployed from? But like, and he started rattling all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, like I, I, I know nothing. And so it was really humiliating. You know, I, I learned about cultural humility of just really recognizing how much I didn't know. And at that point it was I got much more out of it in those years that I got to spend with them than probably anyone. That story really lines up to me because I think about the structure, the infrastructure wasn't there for you to support those members the way they possibly could, right? You had to listen and you had to learn their their vernacular and their narrative to be able to connect with them. It comes back to, I think about on the employer setting, we're seeing where mental health and stress and burnout can affect job performance and the overall health of a person from the get-go. So we think about how we can help inside that workplace. Maybe talk about that one more time as Jeremy talked about listening is one aspect of it. What's another aspect of taking that listening to action and getting people the level of help that they need? 
here's my my take on employer mental health. First of all, it's I I really give so much credit to the benefits people because they have it harder now than ever before. There are so many point solutions, so many things that they have to evaluate for their own kind of strategies. And and it's not easy at all. So I would say that first and foremost, we really need to find ways to increase engagement of what these benefit managers are investing in, whether it's EAP, whether it's some meditation apps, whether it's, you know, some specialty solutions, um, whatever it is, if that's the decisions that they've made, then I think a big piece of what we are working to do is to educate employees as like, you know, another front door and help guide them into that in-network care. Because one of the other like fallacies about this whole kind of space is that there is a somehow there's this sense of if I don't use my insurance and I use private pay, I'm going to get better care because the good practitioners don't take insurance. And that's actually not true. In fact, it's sometimes it's it's the opposite, whereas you know, people that are that do take insurance are a little bit more forced to have to do a more um, systematized or evidence based approach than if you're private pay, you can kind of just do anything. And I'm not I'm not speaking, you know, black and white and generalizations. I'm just saying it's not always true. And there are a lot of options that exist especially with all this private equity and venture capital money that's going into mental health. There's all these aggregators and roll-ups and they all take insurance and they have availability. So a big piece of this is getting these employees to in-network care and the right care for their, you know, specialized care for their symptoms. So I, I think we're on the, I swear I'm super optimistic. I think we're on the cusp of better things to come we're just behavioral health is really behind healthcare. We're just, we're lagging. You're talking to a Cubs fan. So yes, optimism is part of our DNA. <laughs> you know, our last podcast, we talked to our friends at Principles U that helped us create Navigate U, which is our personality assessment. And Jeremy, think about our Navigate U. We think about our findhelp.org. We think about Psych Hub and the resources that we have available to our employees, but then also who we work with every single day. Where do you go with that, using that data for good and leveling up those products and maybe, you know, offering that in a, an engaging way, in a simple way that really connects people? Well, to me, the name of the game is, is personalization, but that, that's such a broad term. What is, what does personalization mean? It's like engagement. What does that mean? So to me, it's about understanding the participant and what their needs are, right? It's collecting data and being able to tailor the experience to them. What is tailoring the experience? It means putting content in front of them that is relevant to their situation. It means putting activities or requirements of the program in front of them that are not a shotgun where we're trying to catch everybody, but something specific to them. That means understanding them in a way that we haven't been able to in the past. And that leads to something like our Navigate You product that leads to taking our total health product, which is a benefit activator, and expanding the reach of that, expanding the understanding of that so that ultimately one of the biggest challenges we're trying to solve here in mental health is getting people access and awareness and activation on these services that may already exist in their workplace. They may already have access to it and not know about it or not think about it. It might not be top of mind, or maybe they don't even know that it's something they have. So to me, the power of what we're all doing here is personalizing an experience and then activating someone 
with a product or a benefit or content that's right for them. That's going to be something that, that gets them out of bed in the, in the day. One of the great things I, I love about Navigate and the people that we work with is mental health can be defined in so many different ways. And one of the things that I love is the gratitude aspect of mental health. I just think that that's such a multiplier when it comes to assisting people throughout their day. Kindness first and really making sure that, that folks you know, utilize an easy tool called gratitude. Marjorie, when you think about gratitude as, you know, a variable in the equation of mental health, where, where, where does your mind go when it comes to gratitude as a, as a multiplier? I love that because I just think that's such, such a beautiful way to look at things. Gratitude to me is like goes kind of hand in hand with like a sense of purpose. Going back to your military question is that, you know, we all, we all want to feel a connection. We all want to feel part of something and I think we all are happier when we're part of something. And so I do think when it comes to mental health, it's like if we're there for each other, you know, I I have always felt like the biggest gift that someone can give you is to trust you with their emotions or their feelings. And that, you know, then that creates this like intimacy and that intimacy can be intoxicating in a really, in a really beautiful kind of a way. And, um, it just gives us meaning in life, right? Otherwise things just become very superficial, very transactional, very just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I love, I mean, I'm shifting from the gratitude piece of just, it's even bigger than that, right? It's even just feeling grateful to be part of someone's life and be part of someone's journey. So I think there's that. I also think that we were joking earlier before we started this podcast, I split my time between Nashville and New York and you know, every day I get ready and I'm like, oh, my purse is in New York, but I'm, my shoes are in Nash, you know, and I've really had to say to myself, those are first world problems. But I, I say that in, you know, we have so much to be grateful for, so much to be grateful that we get to wake up every day and get the opportunity to live today, right? That not everybody gets to do that. People are sick and they have all kinds of challenges. And any day that you can get up and show up and make a difference is like a beautiful day. Self-care is something that we talk about at Navigate quite frequently. And when we think about mental health, it is your physical health. It is your nutrition. It is your purpose. It is so many different things that wrap into your mental health that we've learned by listening and, and the number of wonderful people that are putting um, studies together and, and bringing that data together. You touch on something um, with me when it comes to resiliency and strength. There's five generations in the workforce right now. Each one of those generations has a different connection to what mental health means all the way to where it's like, it's quiet, be resilient, get to work all the way down to being able to say, Hey, it's okay to talk about this. Let's talk about this and let's figure out a way how we can assist you along your pathway to a, a healthier journey or a trusted journey where you know you can talk to me, it's fine, and then we can trust you in that, in that manner. How do you think we can continue to use technology, resources to help assist people, maybe not sliding back down into dangerous um, behavior or how you see us using technology and the services that you have to keep people in that, perhaps that safe zone when it comes to their own mental health. That is the key is that, you know, you want to help people on 
the earlier end of their journey, which is why I loved, you know, we did with the military to prevention. And, you know, the, the earlier you can identify signs within yourself, symptoms, and then put an appropriate action for yourself, the better. But sometimes you just need to understand what are those signs? I mean, it's not something that we like learn about, right? We don't necessarily know what anxiety feels like. We just might not know. We might know we're not feeling quite right, but we might not understand what that means. And so there is a lot of, and that, by the way, it's different for everyone, literally everyone, right? And so there's this journey that we have to go on with ourselves to learn and that, that I do think education plays a really big role in that, um, in, in doing that. We have just launched uh, Psych Hub Connect, which is our connection platform, which is a free platform where individuals can come in, learn about mental health with um, hundreds of videos, and then get connected to practitioners who are trained to treat their symptoms, our good culture fit, and take their insurance. And so I think our big picture on Connect, not where we are today, but a big picture, our vision of it is we'd love to also start connecting people to peers and coaches and apps and nonprofits and different things in the ecosystem that are right for them, right? Because it's not a one size fits all, but it is, it's a lot of coordinating a lot of things to tie it all together. I love the peer to peer. One of my favorite stories in the marketplace right now is in the trucking industry where they're they're having um, retired truckers or truckers that have been on the road for multiple 10, 15 years that are mentoring down to the truckers who are just getting started. The more and more that we need that service in our, in our, our country, it's like they're using mentorship and peer-to-peer counseling to kind of help that next generation uh, to move forward. And I think those are the things we can do to kind of help expand because the scale is significant. And so how do we help use that, that peer-to-peer or different ways to kind of help counselor and get folks off maybe that slippery slope as they, as they need it? It's a great point. The statistics on it, um, like the outcomes are really strong. That peer work is, is really good. Um, you know, in, in any population, first responders, veterans, I mean, you, you just, you just mentioned it, truck drivers, people relate to people like them. And so I I'm also really inspired about that movement and the flip side of it is that it actually can be just as beneficial for the peer that's helping as it is the one that's receiving it. Just as we talked about that sense of purpose gives them a sense of belonging and, and meaning in life. So I I'm, I'm also very optimistic about the whole peer movement. Marjorie from our notes, we always do a last segment called Vest Day Ever. Vest Day Ever is uh, kind of a quasi-fun thing. I like to wear vests. Um, we like to talk about good things going on in our lives to remind us and show the gratitude that we talked about earlier. So everyone gets to share a good thing. So Jay, how about a good thing? Uh, for me, we've just launched our health coaching product. We've announced it to the market and I am so proud of the people at Navigate that have contributed to this effort. It, it was a, an enormous amount of work from a technology development for the platform, because we built it internally, from the product to the curriculum, to the announcements, to the, uh, the staffing model, the pricing model, everything. We built a brand new business from scratch, and I am so proud of everyone that contributed to that. That is it's quickly becoming my, my best day ever. I love it. We got to get you a vest. Has there, Jeremy ever wore a vest? I don't think so. I, uh, 
Maybe I got married. I think I may have had a vest on. We need to maybe get a picture of that. Yeah, Marjorie, um, how about how about a vest day ever? Uh, maybe tell us something good that's been going on, or that uh, something that uh, that you might have some gratitude around. Well, I I'll, first I'm just going to comment on that coaching model and and congratulations. I think that's great, and I my favorite part of, of work is building things from nothing. I know some people don't like that and they're good scalers. I'm good at like, you know, so I know exactly that feeling when you take something that's an idea and everybody gets behind it and you build it. And then you're like, wow, look at this. So congratulations. And we also just launched a coaching uh, training certification course. So, <laughs> so maybe there's some opportunities that we can partner with on that. I would say my best, my best day you know, right now it's, and this is going to sound really corny, but it's the connection to some people, right? I just feel like something's pivoting in my life right now where I'm just having really quality relationships sort of opposed as opposed to quantity. And uh, maybe it's age. I'm just finding so much meaning in my colleagues, some of our clients, just friends, like just really deeper connections. But I've just found that um, I personally am getting a lot of just positive energy from just having, you know, more intimate moments with people and, and connections. And it's just, it's filling my soul. I love it. So my best day ever is, is, is coming up here a little bit. Um, my father who taught me everything about history and was actually born on May 29th, um, which is President Kennedy's birthday as well. He's going to turn 80. And my dad is one of the most resilient um, and purpose-driven people that I've ever met in my life and has given me a, a purpose in my life. And actually, we're kind of lucky to be here because he was in a horrible accident on his way to San Diego to boot camp uh, to be a Marine and has uh, battled his way back all the way and celebrating 80 years is just, is, is just wonderful. And what I love about how these things connect is I was taught about President Kennedy a long time ago. and you know, in 2022, we celebrated his the 60th anniversary of um, we choose to go to the moon speech that he gave at, at Rice University in Houston. And I'm sitting there talking to my dad and, and he's like, what are you going to do? I got, I got a podcast got to do. And I'm like, dad, you know, Marjorie and Patrick Kennedy created this. <laughs> and he called us out in front of like 2000 people and said, we need your help. We're going to move mental health forward. You're going to be a part of that. And he helped think about if we're going to reach out and help people to their greatest potential, then we need to understand what helps them and we need to inspire them. And you think about what President Kennedy did to motivate um, our country in the 60s to, to make that moonshot. I love what you guys are doing. I love that, that, that Patrick's part of this. I love that you're leading it, Marjorie. And I really appreciate that you're inspiring a nation to grow um, and achieve perhaps our greatest potential when it comes to how we serve others in their mental health. And so for me, it's a triangle of, of good when it comes to today's best day ever. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for being on this podcast. Keep doing what you're doing good for others. And everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, be sure to say you like us. Uh, we'd love that. Continue to tell us how we can help you. And uh, may all things be good for you today and, and moving forward. So appreciate you all. Grateful. And uh, thanks. We'll see you later. Thank you so much.